G'day, my name is Jeff. It's my privilege to look at God's Word with you again today from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 9. Can I encourage you to have a Bible open? Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 9. We're going to read through the passage, think hard about what it means and how it applies to us today. We'll also help you to have an outline of the talk that's on the service program that hopefully you've downloaded during the week. Let's pray and we'll ask God to help us. A gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we do thank and praise you for giving us your word. Please do help us to understand what it says this morning. Help us to work hard to put into practice what we learn so that we may live our lives filled by your spirit, living in reverence for our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And we pray in his name. Amen. Well, the relationship between parents and children is very important, isn't it? Obviously, we, we, we wouldn't even exist in the first place without our parents, but it's way more than just that. Uh, for most of us, when we were little, our parents were the, the very centre of our lives. We, we grew up with parents central, and then, then before we knew it, for many of us, uh, we then became parents ourselves. That then became a, oh, a life-dominating relationship, isn't it? I mean, who can imagine that such a tiny little creature can so transform everything? You get, uh, you get busy, busy, busy raising your children. The years slip by. And then, then the next thing you know, you, your own parents are elderly and, and, and unwell and, and they then need you to help and look after them. Somewhere in there, I imagine, will be grandchildren, God willing, and then soon enough it'll be our turn. We will need our children to look after us. From beginning to end, the, the parent-child relationship, it's central to life. In fact, I would say that uh, between the parent-child relationship and having a job, that's pretty much most of my time covered. If you put together my relationship with my parents and my children, along with the work that I do, that is most of my life right there, most of the time I spend. Which is why I reckon this next passage in Ephesians is very important. <coughs> because in this next passage, the Apostle Paul talks about how God wants us to be children, how he wants us to be parents, and he also talks about uh, being slaves and masters as well. Well, as we've seen so far in this book of Ephesians, God has a great plan for us. I mean, that's what struck me most about this book is the enormity of the picture of God's plan. And before he even made the world, God chose us to be his holy and blameless children. When Jesus came, he, he shared his blood so that we can be forgiven and redeemed. And God has now gifted us with his spirit, included us in his family, saved us from his wrath, and he's shown us his great plan to, to have everything and everyone submit to Jesus as king. And he showed us our future that, that we, as God's forgiven holy children, will be, will be living with Jesus in his eternal kingdom. 
It's been an, an enormous, glorious, eternal picture of our salvation. And then in the second half of the letter, Paul has been calling on the Ephesians and on us as well to, to, to respond to God's great plan, to respond by, uh, by growing together in unity and maturity under Jesus, by living for him as his holy and blameless, redeemed and forgiven children, living for him as we look forward to living in his kingdom forever. Now, in this latest section, we've been talking about living a, a Holy Spirit-filled life in reverence for Jesus. And Paul has, called, Paul has called on us to submit in various relationships out of reverence for Christ. Last week, last week we saw the first relationship, the first relationship that involves Holy Spirit-led submission. And that was, do you remember, wives and husbands? Well, now today, as I say, we're looking at two more relationships, two more relationships that involve Holy Spirit-led submission, reverence to Christ, uh, children and parents, and slaves and masters. First, first, the apostle addresses children. Just a couple of things to notice. Uh, first, the apostle addresses children. In other words, they're part of the church part of the church who it is anticipated will read and learn from God's word, from this letter. They're not, they're not the church of the future. They're not an, a noisy annoyance to be, to be kept distracted while the adults learn about God. No, no. The children are members of God's people, the, members who need to learn about Jesus themselves. Second, I just notice in context what, what kind of children we're talking about. These three relationships, wives and husbands, uh, children and parents, and uh, slaves and masters, they're, they're what's called um, household relationships. They are they're, they're, they're relationships of people who, who live in the same house. So here in chapter 6 and verse 1, we're talking about children who, who live under the roof of their parents. From a biblical perspective, the relationship of children to parents, it changes when a child marries. At that point, they, they leave the household of their parents and they form a new family. And although it's a more modern concept, not so much found in the Bible, but, but the, the relationship will also change if a child grows up and leaves their parents' house and lives on their own independently, even if they don't get married. It doesn't mean that you don't have responsibilities to your parents anymore. As adults, we still should honour our parents. That doesn't change. And the Bible is clear. We should help our parents in their old age. But this passage, it applies particularly to children who are living under the roof of their parents. Okay, uh, Paul has a command for the children. They need to obey their parents. Do what their parents tell them. And they need to, they need to do so, the apostle says, in the Lord. That is, firstly, 
The Lordship of Jesus comes first. If their parents are calling on them to sin, they must obey God rather than men. But, but, but it also means that they don't obey because of who their parents are, because they're good parents or whatever. No, no, no. They should obey in the Lord, that is, because of their relationship with Jesus. Our commentator Peter O'Brien puts it this way. He says, their obedience is part of their Christian discipleship. Children should obey their parents. And Paul gives some reasons why. Uh, first, he says, it's right. It's, it's the good and appropriate thing to do. Uh, second, he, he talks about God's command as reflected in the Ten Commandments given to Israel in the Old Testament. Uh, commandment number five of the Ten Commandments says that children should honour their parents. And then third, children should obey because it'll be good for them. In the Old Testament, the command to honour your parents comes with a promise. If you obey your parents, things will go well in the promised land, God said. So it is right, it is God's command, and it'll benefit you. Three good reasons for children to obey their parents. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1. Have a look with me. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Paul then turns to the fathers. Notice, it's fathers he addresses. Why? They're the ones with the ultimate responsibility before God as head of their family. They're the ones who, to use last week's analogy, who'll have to present the project of the mature, united family to God. Uh, Paul addresses the fathers, and he tells them, first, what not to do. He says, don't exasperate your children. The word means to, to make them angry. Instead, uh, fathers, he says, should raise their children to know and love and serve Jesus. Verse 4, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Okay, that's the second relationship involving Holy Spirit-led submission. Number one was wives and husbands. Number two, children and parents. Children, obey parents. Fathers, bring up your children to mature unity in Christ. The third and final relationship that Paul talks about is slaves and masters. Now, back in those days, uh, in the Roman Empire, slavery was extremely common. Historians estimate that uh, around one person in three was a slave. And, and slavery was a very broad category. Slaves could be anything from menial labourers to, well, to effectively something like CEOs of their master's estate. One thing they all had in common, though, slaves were owned by their masters. Now, in the context of Ephesians, Paul is talking, remember, to households. And so the assumption is that these are slaves who live at home with the family. They live under the roof of their masters. And so the, the husband, father, master, that's the same person being addressed um, in, in these house, this household code, as it's called. But once again, notice... Paul addresses the slaves. He addresses them 
as he addresses the church. The slaves, they're not out the back cooking lunch. They're not out in the field hoeing cotton. They are included as part of the church. They are, they're there listening to God's word. Paul speaks to slaves and he calls on them to obey their masters as they would obey Jesus. He calls on them to obey as if they were serving Jesus and not just their master. That means serving sincerely, wholeheartedly. It means serving whether you're being watched or not. It means serving with an eye to not just pleasing your master, but pleasing Jesus with an eye to eternal reward. Verse 5. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly, as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. Finally, Paul addresses masters. And he says that they need to treat their slaves in the same way. That is, treat them with the Lord Jesus in mind. Treat them as you would want Jesus, as Jesus would want you to. Specifically, he says they shouldn't threaten their slaves because Jesus is Lord of both slave and master. They're both going to be judged for what they've done on that final day and there's not going to be any favoritism. Slave and master will stand before God as equals. Verse 9, And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no favoritism with him. Okay. Can you see what's here in our passage today? Two relationships that require Holy Spirit-led submission out of reverence for Christ. Children, obey your parents. Fathers, ensure that your children are brought up to know and love the Lord Jesus. That's the first relationship. And then second, slaves, Serve as if you are serving Jesus. And masters, treat your slaves as Jesus would want you to. Pretty simple to understand? All right. Well, let's think about applying this passage to ourselves. Firstly, uh, let me address children. Children, if you are living with your mum and dad, then God says you are under their authority. You should obey what your mum and dad say. Now, of course, uh, your mum and dad, they're not always going to be right. Sometimes they'll be tired and grumpy. Sometimes they, they, they haven't listened to you properly. But they do love you. And, and they, they want what's best for you. And they have been alive for much longer than you. So they probably do know better than you most of the time. And I should say, that includes when it comes to matters relating to telephones and computers and technology. Uh, you might know more about telephones or, or computers than your parents, but your parents still know what is good for you 
better than you do. Plus, the fact is, they give you everything. You live in their house. They give you food and clothes and toys. They pay for you to go to school or, or university. They buy all your technology for you. It's okay, of course, to, to talk to your mum and dad about stuff. It's even okay to say when you think they're wrong or, or you think they're being unfair or something like that. And hopefully, hopefully your parents, your, your mums and dads, they'll listen to you. Hopefully they'll, hopefully they'll be humble and they'll say sorry when they do the wrong thing. But kids, the Bible is clear here. You should do what your mum and dad say. That's the right thing to do. It's what God wants you to do. And it's the best thing for you. You will make your life and your parents' lives better if you do what God says here. Well, next, let's think about dads. Dads, as we saw last week, the day is coming when you will stand before God. And as the head of your family, you will have to give account. You're going to have to account for how you led your family to grow in unity and maturity under Jesus. Brothers, brothers, on that day, on that day God won't be concerned with what marks they got at school. Their ATAR will be irrelevant on Judgment Day. He won't worry about what grade they got to on piano or violin. He won't care how good they are at swimming or, or karate or, or, or sport. He's not going to be concerned if you raise them to end up in prestigious professions. On that day, God will call you to give account for just one thing. What did you do to help your children grow to maturity under the Lord Jesus Christ? Uh, author Tony Payne, in his excellent book called Fatherhood, he puts it this way. He says, as dads, he says, as dads, we have two jobs. Two jobs. Repent and follow Jesus yourself. And bring your family with you. Repent and follow Jesus yourself and bring your family with you. Did you get that? The whole purpose of being a dad, it's to help our children be disciples of Jesus. That's God's plan for the universe. That's what we've got to fall in line with. That's what we'll be accountable for. So dads and mums, I hope you've got your priorities right on this. And, and I hope it can be clearly seen in the way that you're raising your children. I hope it can be seen in what you talk about to your children, in what you praise them for, in what you discipline them for, in what you show passion for yourself. A few months ago, a few months ago I asked you this question. Do you think that your children reckon that you would prefer them to be a piano-playing doctor living in Roseville who doesn't trust Jesus or a bricklayer living in Blacktown who does trust Jesus? 
What would your children say is your priority for them? I should, I should tell you a funny story. I haven't sought permission for this, but I'll tell you anyway. Um, one dad came up to me after that talk. He said, he said Jeff, I, I asked my daughter your question. I said, which, which do you think I prefer you to be? A piano-playing doctor living in Roseville who doesn't trust Jesus or a bricklayer living in Blacktown who does trust Jesus? Which, would, which, which do you think I would prefer that you would be? And, and do you know what she said? Do you know what she said? She said, what's a bricklayer? Brothers and sisters, I hope we've got our priorities right on this. Okay, well, let, let's think... Uh, more carefully about, about exactly what Paul is saying here. Uh, what does he say? First, do not exasperate your children. Now, I don't think that means you can't tell dad jokes as exasperating as they might be. I, I, think, I think it means that you don't want to... You don't want to parent in such a way that you turn them away from Jesus. Commentator A.T. Lincoln makes this very helpful comment. He says, the apostle is ruling out excessively severe discipline, unreasonably harsh demands, abuse of authority, arbitrariness, unfairness, constant nagging and condemnation, subjecting a child to humiliation and all forms of gross insensitivity to a child's needs and sensibilities. It's easy as a dad to be lazy, isn't it? I mean, life is busy work is hard, we get home and we just want to switch off. And so it's easy in our laziness to go to two extremes with our children. Either we just we make no effort with them, just be laissez-faire, ignore them, leave them alone to destroy their mental and emotional health with technology. Or, or, or on the other hand, we, we get angry and grumpy and we rant and rave because the kids aren't towing the line. Brothers, you know what? They're, they're both a function of laziness. And they're both bad for children. We need to make the effort to engage with our children. Uh, set appropriate parameters and calmly and fairly enforce them in a way that is bathed in grace and not legalism. They need to know unconditional love from us so that they can learn unconditional love from God. It's hard work. But that's what God wants. Don't exasperate your children. Instead, what does it say? Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Uh, firstly, notice the expression, bring them up. Bring them up. The word means to, uh, to nurture them. Friends, children won't bring themselves up. If you leave them to themselves... Children will make stupid choices. Left to themselves, children will not choose to follow and trust Jesus. You need to actively bring them up. You need to insist that they read the Bible with you and pray with you, even though, as we saw in Warren's wonderful video a couple of weeks ago, they might be distracted. You need to insist that they be at church and kids' church and youth group and Christian camps and the Christian group at school and the Christian group at university, even if they say it's boring. 
Even if they say they don't like the other kids, even if they say they've got study or sport or violin practice to do. Friends, friends, you don't give your kids a choice in these matters. Not when they're living under your roof. Your job is to bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And their job is to obey. It's not a democracy. They're not the parent. I'm amazed by the number of parents who insist that their children be at school and sport and music lessons and swimming and karate. And, but when it comes to Christian activities, they leave it up to the child to decide. Friends, it totally misunderstands children. It totally misunderstands sin. It is a failure to do what God wants from you and it shows that you've got your priorities upside down. If you love your children and you want to do the job God has given you, none of this Christian stuff should be up for debate. You should get them involved in everything that will build them up in Christ and they should do as they're told. You need to bring them up in the Lord. Notice also just those two words, the, the training and instruction of the Lord. That, that first word training, it's, it's, it's an action word. The picture I get is of... Um, like a child following a parent, uh, sort of a, an, an, like an apprenticeship. You need, to, you need to show your children how to trust and obey Jesus. Show them how to do it. Don't, don't, just, don't just read the Bible to them. Show them how to read the Bible for themselves, like a trainer and an apprentice. Uh, get them to do it and correct, discipline, encourage. Also as they get older, get them involved in ministry. Get them serving at church. Study after study shows the best way to help kids to stick with Jesus is to get them involved in ministry in your local church. Get them serving. We need to train our children. The training. Second word, the instruction. That, that word instruction, it, it's more of a thinking word, a kind of a mind word. We, need, we do need to inform our children. We need to teach them from the Bible. We need to educate them in the things of Jesus. I reckon you put it together, training, instruction, bringing them up. It's, it, it, it's an all of life thing. We should be constantly pointing our children to Jesus. Reminds me of that great passage in Deuteronomy and I've put it on your outline there from Deuteronomy, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Whatever you do, do it with these commands in mind. Bind them on your foreheads, wherever you go. Uh, write them on the door frames of your houses. Be a Christian house. On your gates, be a Christian town. It, 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 it's all of life. I mean, I know myself... I do try to read the Bible with my kids. We have formal Bible times as a family. That's important. But, but the real teaching moments, 
you can't predict when they're going to come. I mean, maybe you'll be lying in bed with them or, 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 or watching TV or teaching them to drive. They'll ask a question that, that reveals their heart. And then when you speak to them of the things of Christ, you know at that moment it's, it's, it's really connecting. You can't predict that. You can't, you can't plan the teaching moments. And so you just want to aim for all of life. You want to, you want to bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord Jesus. Okay, well, that's the first relationship, children and parents. What was the second relationship? Slaves and masters. Now, uh, by God's grace, in our society, uh, none of us are either slaves or masters. We are free citizens. A few, if any of us, live in households that contain servants. Maybe you were in a situation like that when you lived overseas. In that case, this passage would have been more directly relevant. But in Australia, we're not really in this kind of slave-master relationship. But then, having said that, I still think we can learn from what Paul says here. There are situations where we, where we serve people. Maybe it's our employers, uh, maybe it's clients or, or, or patients. There are situations where we are called on to serve people. And, and what Paul says here, it's, it's, it's incredibly helpful. We need to do it with the mindset that we're not just serving people, we're serving Jesus. Our work life, our service, it's part of our Christian discipleship. And so you don't do a bodgy job. You don't just get away with the minimum. You don't do a dishonest job. You don't be slack. You be, you be diligent. You be faithful. You conduct yourself with integrity. You use your service as an opportunity to do those good works that God has prepared in advance for you to do. You, you, you do your service with an eye to pleasing Jesus. There are also, of course, situations where people serve us. Waiters, when we go to a restaurant, check out operators at supermarkets, the very few of them that are, that are left, or, or maybe you have employees who work for you. Again, it's not the same as having a Christian slave, but still Paul's point is helpful. You need to constantly ask yourself, am I treating this person in a way that Jesus would be pleased with? Am I treating this person in a way that Jesus would approve of? Would Jesus be happy in how I am relating in this situation to this person? Do you know what? I reckon you can tell a lot about a person from how they treat waiters or, or other people of a so-called lesser status. You can tell a lot about what they think of themselves. You can see if they truly understand what Paul says here, that with God there is no favouritism, or you can see if, in fact, deep down, they feel themselves to be a bit superior. All right, friends, there, there is plenty for us to think about here. This is an important passage dealing with stuff that is central to our lives. So, so let, let's pray. Let's pray that God will help us 
by his spirit to be pleasing to him as, as children, as parents, as we are served and as we serve. Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you that we have a kind Lord who has loved and served us so that we can be forgiven and redeemed and in his kingdom forever. We pray, Heavenly Father, that in response to the love of Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would help us to love and serve him. Help us as children and as parents and as we serve and as we are served to do so in a way that is pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us in this by the power of your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.